Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Javier Inojo with Billion Dollar Boardroom Mastermind. He flew in from North Raleigh, North Carolina to talk about how he went from 32 cents in his bank account to over 690 doors. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer for some of the top wholesalers in the country, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. One question I do get all the time is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? The information on this podcast alone is enough for you to become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. All you need to do is just take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, please type it into the comment section and after the show, identify your single biggest takeaway. And if you can just focus on that for the next seven days, I promise you, you will become a millionaire. If you get value out of the show, please tag a friend below or share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. <clears throat> and this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Javier to answer. You ready? I am ready. All right, awesome. So first question is, what got you into real estate? All right, what got me into real estate? I have a really good friend of mine. He's a chiropractor. And he called me up one time and said, hey, I have this event I want to take you to. And I said, sure. And it was one of those three-day kind of seminars. You come in for free, and then you pay <laughs> for the upsell. And I think we ended up paying uh, in like 35K, like super hard sell. And uh, we split it, you know, and, and that's how we started. Back to the room. Yeah, like, come on, everybody get up. Go sign, you know, sign the back and... Uh, <laughs> Like for me, I don't really need all that motivation, right? I'm like, I'm like, I didn't want to do it, be honest with you. But he's like, hey, I'm gonna do it without you. And I said, well, if you're gonna get ripped off, I'll just get ripped off with you. That was my <laughs> thought process. We'll just we'll split it 50-50. Good friend. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's pretty much it. That's how I got started. But I knew that at some point I wanted to do real estate, right? And I'm just glad that he was able to, he dragged me out there. All right. So uh, this is a good friend of yours. Yes. Um, is he still in real estate or is he a chiropractor? Um, yeah, he's, uh, so he actually has, he has stage four cancer. Right before we did this and, uh, the, the doctor told him, Hey, you got two weeks to live, get your stuff in order. And, you know, I don't know, it's been like eight years later, he's been cancer free, but him and I started out together and now he's, he's, uh, doing his chiropractic and he's writing the books and he's doing, okay. but we started together yeah. uh, in real estate and, uh, he's doing a little bit, but he's focusing on his practice. So eight years ago. So this was back yep. in 2013. 2014. Roughly, 2014. Yeah, about so, seven years ago. So you um, you get dragged. So you didn't pay anything to go to the seminar. No, he actually paid the 300 bucks, whatever it was, yeah. to go. And then you get, um, he got upsold. You joined him. Yep. Split it. It was 35K. Yep. And then you're immediately doing deals? Yeah. So you had like an online course. You can do it live or online. And like, I just want to do it online. I want to do it quickly. So halfway through like our beginner's course, we found a property on the MLS that the lady dropped it a big, a uh, good amount. Then we came even, even lower and we got our first property under contract even before we were done with our first module. Right. So that's awesome. Yeah. How did you find that deal? On the MLS. And you, the, and so you're just combing the MLS. Yep. It was 2014. So you're combing the MLS. You guys call the agent directly. You have an agent helping you. Yeah, we had an agent. So we saw the price drop and then we call the agent. I would tell agent, Hey, call the agent, let him know what's going on. Ask some questions. We came in like 20 grand less than whatever she dropped mm -hmm. the price. Closed on it. Yep. Regular financing, cash. How did you close yeah, on it? Yeah. So it, for me, it's been six, seven years. So it's still fresh in my mind. I didn't know anything. Like, where do I get insurance? What's a HUD? What's, what's inspection? Like, I didn't know anything. Like, mm -hmm. attorney? I didn't know anything. Where do I find money? Right. So first thing I do, I Google money for real estate. Man, I got all these scammers. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like, send me a thousand dollars and we'll give you a term sheet. And like, we spend so much money. Just like trying to figure out. You were buying term sheets. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, or they wanted money up front, right? We didn't know any better. Right. And uh, long story short, we ended up getting a hard money loan. And then we didn't have enough money. So he'd swipe his credit card on my machine and I swipe 
mine on his at the same location at the same time, the same amount, don't do that. <laughs> With the same processor, don't do that because that'll put a red flag. So yeah. long story short, those accounts got closed. But, but we got enough money for the down payment for the hard money loan. So yeah. you, you got your business, he's got, he's got his business. Yeah. And then you guys are buying from each other. Yeah. What was your business? I have a service company. It's a locksmith company. That's what I've done since I was a kid. So he bought yeah. some amount, how much? We, we had to come up with like $35,000. Okay, so you guys swiped. 35, 40,000, yeah. <laughs> 35,000, so 17,000 worth of yep. locksmith services. Yeah. And he swiped, and you swiped 17,000 of chiropractic services. Yes, right. I love it. It was legit. <laughs> like, you know, we just going to be paid, you know, at some point. Right. I pay it, and he paid at some point. It was legit, but yeah, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> All right, so you guys do that. So uh, you close on that deal. Yep. And then what was, it was a flip, wholesale, what did you Yeah, do? yeah, it was a flip. And, uh, you know, just brand new flip. Like, hey, 20 grand rehab turned to like, you know, 40, mm -hmm. right, doubled. Hey, eight-week rehab turned to like three months, you know, four months. But, you know, we, we made money, right? We didn't make a lot, but it was it was good. We went in there, we, we uh, rehabbed it, over-rehabbed, right? We didn't need to, we could have just probably done paint, carpet, mm -hmm. and maybe some new countertops, something super simple. But we pretty much spent 40 grand in a pretty nice house, actually, already. Okay, so yeah. you made like twenty. Yeah, a little bit under twenty. Yeah. All right, and then you sold it to someone. Yeah. So, so um, when I went to the closing table, there was this really pretty girl there. Yeah. And then her husband was not very good looking, like twice as twice her age. You know, just not very good looking. I'm like, wow, he must be a really nice guy because it's not an expensive house. Yeah. But he doesn't have money. Anyway, so kind of find out later on she was a, a, an adult film actress. Mm -hmm. So I can I can tell you the story if you like. I mean, I think that will keep the people paying attention. All right, cool. All right, so um, we sold the house, and when I was reading the contract, it said refrigerator conveys. I'm like, what the hell does convey mean? I was in the Army, so convey, convoy, it means, like, get the hell out, like, move, let's go. So I thought it meant take it with me, right? So I took the fridge with me, and then when they close, of course, the agent's like, hey, where's my fridge? It conveys. Conveys, by the way, for you guys out there, it means stays. Like, right. it stays with the property. Um, so we got to take the fridge back. So I was taking my boy with me. He was like 19 at the time. He's uh, he's adopted. He's from he's from Belarus. He's Russian. His English is not. It's pretty good now. So we take the fridge back. We put it in. She's talking to a carpet person because she didn't like the carpet. And the guy uh, that leaves. you rehabbed with. Yeah, we re yeah. He, she didn't like that carpet. She was just a plain, you know, tan color. She wanted a different color. Okay. So when the guy leaves, leaves, she gets a cigarette, starts smoking. And um, in the house, yeah, in the house. I'm like, that's weird, but anyways, yeah, super pretty. She, you know, she's wearing a sundress. Don't tell me what color it was flowers and, and, and yellow. And my wife, if my wife's watching this, I'm in trouble. All mm -hmm. right, anyways. Um, so she smokes up, smoking a cigarette, and she looks at me. She says, You want to charge me five thousand dollars to replace the carpet downstairs? You think that's a lot? But yeah, that's, that's a lot. And then she smokes a cigarette and she goes, that's a lot of dick I have to suck. That's what she said. Like, literally. I was like, did she just say that to me? And then my, my boy was behind her, and his English is not the best, so he does like a double take. Like, did, did he just hear that right? You know, like, and I'm sitting there, and I didn't know any better. Like, I didn't know what to say. I always have this thing I, I, I would say, like, doesn't matter what you tell me. I always say, oh, I'm so happy we deal with that situation quite often, right? Build rapport, right? Or I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that we deal with that situation so often. That's like the only time I've never been able to use that line right and i said um what do you guys do for your retirement i was trying to raise money <laughs> you know i didn't know what to say mm -hmm. um anyway so she kind of went into the details of of uh, what she did yeah. and uh, so that's how i find out she was a <laughs> porn star got it all yeah. right 
So you close that deal, yep. you make a good amount of money. What was your next deal like? All right, the next deal, so we, we started going, uh, doing the MLS. At the same time, we started going to the auction. 2014, so there's still a lot of good, I mean, there's some deals now, but there was a lot of good deals in the auction. Mm -hmm. So we started going to auction and we started going to MLS. Like I really never started any kind of marketing until maybe like three, nah, like two years into it, into, into real estate, give or take. But it was just auction or MLS. So we set up like a, a, a radius search and every time a property would drop at a certain point, um, like a big price drop, we go ahead and make an offer. Or if we knew that area sold for $200,000 was the selling price, and we ever, if we saw anything that was like under like 140 listed in that little circle, mm -hmm. we'd get an alert. Mm -hmm. Basically knowing like, hey, that might be a deal. Like it's so antiquated, but it worked very well. I mean, right. You know, that's how we did it. It's not rocket science. Yeah. So, all right. So you're doing these deals. Um, your partner still with your, your yeah, friend? Yeah. We did, we did uh, yeah, a few deals together. Yeah. So you guys doing everything 50-50. Did you guys shut down your businesses? Yeah. You were, oh yeah, for sure. Like after like my first flip, I'm like, go full time, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> yeah. burn the ships. Yeah, for sure. I'm all in. Yeah. All right. So you're doing this full time. Yeah. So then what was it like, like the next 12 months then? Yeah. So it was, it was great. I mean, I really enjoyed it finding all these properties and it gave me more, uh, more freedom to go. And I had to raise money from people, mm -hmm. right? Telling everybody, Hey, I'm buying real estate. I'm buying real estate and, and um, be able to raise some money. So after I, after my first year, I was like, man, we, if I want to make a lot of money, we, I got to do a lot. Like I really need to do a lot of, uh, a lot of flips because just transactional. Right. Mm -hmm. So after the first year uh, I say, Hey, look, I told my partner, Hey, I want to do like a whole bunch. And he, you know, he was just, he just, he was, he just survived stage four cancer. Like, nah, like, you know, it's, it's not like what I want to do. Right. right? That's so, not his thing. Yeah. And, uh, which is fine. We know it was not, we, it, we went our separate routes just, just fine. So, so you guys parted ways. You yep. continue doing it. Yep. Um, at this point, cause you had signed up for some expensive education. Yeah. How much did that education help? You know, I would, I want to say that, you know, some education is better than others. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the foundation is usually the same, right. You know, like you got to take some action, right. Somebody can t tell you exactly what to do, but if you never do it, even if, even if half of it is correct, right. You're mm -hmm. never going to get there. Right. So it's crazy how people pay for something and then never actually take action. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they blame whoever that teacher was or that company was for, for their, their lack of success. Right. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, it was, it was decent, right? It wasn't like, I wouldn't say it, man, it was amazing, but it, it was enough for me to be dangerous and go out there and learn on my own and, and be able to get some deals. Got it. All right. So what was then like you, you shut down your business, you're doing this. It sounds like you were having success. Yeah. What was, I mean, your business was good at this point, Yeah. but then something changed. Yeah. So you know, cash is king, right? Cash flow, cash flow. It, it was all about cash flow. Getting a lot of properties under contract, going longer on rehabs. Some properties even closed or fell out of contract, right? So everything started, you know, shrinking down. Like you mm -hmm. know, over leverage, put it that way, right? I started getting over leverage. Started getting cash poor around around two, around year two, year two and a half. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the one of the scary things yeah. that um, you know. Flipping versus wholesale, right? Flipping, there's definitely more money in flipping. Yeah. But it's a lot more cash intensive as well. Yeah. And if you're not managing it, it can, it wouldn't be hard to overextend. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, Chris actually was on the show last week and he, he ran into that. He had 10 properties. I think it was saying something like 6 million, you know, outstanding or something along those lines. And now he's stuck. That's the situation you were in? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, so how did you, let's talk about how you got into that situation, and then we'll yeah. talk about how you got out of that situation. 
Yeah. So just not really managing my cash flow. That's what it came down to. Right. Mm -hmm. And saying, Hey, not really adding enough, um, of a contingency on my rehabs or, or even a contingency, not just on money, but on time. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I just had a couple that contractors didn't come back on time or something happened and they started pushing all of them back. Right. Especially since I was using kind of the same ones, one guy disappeared and it, it holds everybody else back. Yeah. Right. The, the electrician can't come to fix whatever. And you know, the sheetrock guy can, no, you can't, can't, pay, can't, can't do anything. Yeah. So we had that situation. Um, so he just got, you know, I was still buying properties and then I was like running out of money to rehab them, right? Because I was doing so many and none of them were getting finished. I yeah. was just putting money in five, six different slots, but nothing was giving me any money back. So. Uh, how many properties were you working on at that time? Uh, I would say I was probably working on four or five at a time. Okay. And so at that time you had five yeah. properties yeah. that you were working on yeah. um, that you had, you had owned and they're not under contract. They weren't like listening to MLS. You were actively working on them. Yeah, actually, I actually had bought them and rehabbing, yeah. So you got the down payment, earnest yeah, money, payment, utilities, yeah, yeah, everything. labor, materials. Yeah, yeah. Money's going out, And paying out, that out. monthly uh, mortgage at oh, yeah, the hard money. 12% interest, you yeah. know, stuff like that, yeah. All right. So what was the bottom of that? Yeah, so it was around 2016, around the Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one... One property didn't close. One, one like, uh, went out of contract. And I'm like, you know, like, holy crap. Like, I got bills to pay. And we're coming back from Texas. It was New Year's 2017. And I look at my account. I had 32 cents in there. I'm looking at, like, I got to pay my rent, you know? So I had actually went to, I looked at my kids to where we're driving home. And I said, hey, I need your Christmas money. I took their Christmas money and I put it in the ATM so I could pay my rent. And uh, that I've never cried in real estate. I, I came, I almost cried that night. You didn't cry that night? No, I, I, I wanted to cry. Like, I want to cry. It's just nothing would come out. Like, <laughs> like it, it, and it was, it, was a, it was a sleepless night. I beat myself up. I kept thinking to myself, did I fail? Uh, I'll let people down. You know, I'm going to owe a lot of people money. You know, it was like, you know, I felt like, you know, it just felt like I, I was, was falling apart. And that lasted for a couple hours. And I'm like, okay, man, like, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person. I said, come on. You know, get yourself up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Let's go. Right. Yeah. But I, I think it's also good yeah. kind of a tale of caution, right? Like how important it is to manage your finances. Yeah. So how many properties? You said five properties. Like how much were you out? How much did you owe? Not hard money, but did you owe private money too? Yeah. Private money. Yeah. Pretty much all of it. So yeah, all how much did money. you owe on all So that? usually it was like 20% down, right? So it was like 200, 250K, mm-hmm. you know, give or take, right? If, if each house was around $200,000, had four or five, yeah, I had about 200K out. Like 200K out. 200K out, yep. outstanding. And you got monthly expenses as yeah, well. Yeah, still have monthly expenses, yeah. And then you had two kids? Um, yeah, at home I had three kids, yeah. Three kids. How many kids do you have to ask for Christmas money? All three of them. All three of them? Yeah. And then what was your wife saying? She was sitting on the side. She was just quiet. She was pretty supportive all the time. I mean, she didn't say anything. You know, so it, it tested her resolve though. Well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's put up with me for a long, for a lot of things, 20, 20 <laughs> 23 years, Steve, 23 years. So yeah. she was quiet. She was like, you know, she knew that like, you know, she, you know, she wasn't going to punch me below the belt. Right. I was already down and she was such a good, you know, support at that time. That's awesome. She didn't mention nothing. She just business as usual. You know? Awesome. Yeah. So what were the lessons you learned from that? Oh, manage the cash. Right. Um, partner. Right. Maybe don't try to do everything on your own. Cause so I could have partnered with somebody else. Like, Hey guys, let's, uh, I don't have enough cash. Like, or, you know, I, I don't want to be strapped. How about we do this deal together? Right. Maybe somebody else does it. And I, I get a small piece, 
or that's when I actually started to wholesale to make some quick money. Mm -hmm. Like I started, I don't know if I started backwards, but I started flipping and then I started wholesaling. Right. Yeah. And then I was buying off the MLS and at auction. So maybe I was paying a little bit more as well. So I, I hadn't started doing anything off market yet. Right. Um, yeah. And then how did you get yourself out of it? So um, like two days later, right. Somebody calls one of the properties. Hey, we got an offer. We're going to close it. We can close in two weeks. Like somebody, somebody else is buying another property, like a seller, a buyer. And they, something happened. They didn't close on it. And they were moving and they had to buy something quick and they had cash. And they closed in a property like in two, two, two weeks, two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. One of the properties that I had for sale. So I was like, oh my gosh, that was like a, such a, I can still feel it right now. Like it was just like all this uh, pressure lifted off my shoulders. Clouds parting. Yeah. It was just like, that through. just gave me enough, like, oh, enough breathing room to kind of just continue the rest. You know? Okay. Yeah. Did you change anything after that? Or oh yeah. You? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm not buying nothing. I'm fixing one. I said, I'm taking this money and I'm fixing the easiest one that I can sell. Like that was it. And I got the money. I fixed that one. I didn't care about the other ones. I'm still paying money out. It's okay. But I just fi fixed, finished this one, put it for sale, continue with the other one and got some money. That's the way I got myself. I got myself out of it that way. Okay. So you didn't buy any more to flip. Well, I didn't say, I didn't say I didn't buy any more, but yeah, I, I put some on the contract for sure. I just gave myself a little bit more time, got it. you know, like, Hey, I'm going to buy these and I make sure that I had enough time to where I wouldn't close on them until I knew these few were, were, were closed. Right. You still have to have that pipeline. Mm -hmm. I still had had that pipeline, but I didn't actually buy anymore, but I, I put some under contract for sure. Got yeah. it. All right. So then at some point you were talking about scaling your business yep. further. So yep. this wasn't enough yep. trauma. Yeah. Enough trauma, enough brain damage. I was not enough brain damage. You decided to go even bigger. Yeah. Yeah. How so, big did you get? So I tell people that I'm, I'm 24 years old, <laughs> but I look like I'm 42 because I used to flip houses. <laughs> no, the wrong way. I did it the wrong way. So let me, let me, let me add that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I just grinded it out. Didn't really have any process or system, right? I just did it by myself. I was a solopreneur, right? Um, so I just said, I want to scale. So I need to bring some help, you know, be like a project manager. And I wanted to get better deals. So I started doing some marketing, just direct mail, right? Doing direct mail. Uh, leads will come in and I call and close them. And then we get a lot of, then I would start picking and choosing the ones that I wanted. Like, oh, this is a nice deal. Mm -hmm. This is a nice deal. And I started wholesaling the rest. Yeah. So that's how I kind of scaled my business. Okay. It was a lot safer and a lot smoother. All right. And then you did that until uh, at some point, though, you made the decision to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. What was your business like when you decided to pivot and what caused you to pivot? Yeah. So it was 2019, September, and I was flipping about 50 properties a year. I was wholesaling a whole bunch. And I really wanted to scale. Right? I mean, I was uh, flipping in Dallas, wholesaling in Dallas, Austin, Tampa, and Raleigh, where I'm from, right? National flipper. Yeah. So, and, and I'm like, man, I want to really like take it. I want to really, and I'm sitting there at his mastermind. That's actually when I met you. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a guy, some guys from Charlotte flipping 200 properties a year. And I'm seeing everybody talking about their business. And I'm sitting there and um, I felt like I was in a scale to unhappiness. I don't know if that, you know, I just... I, maybe I just didn't enjoy flipping that much, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I didn't have the right systems. I was doing well at that time. But I said, okay, you know what? I don't think I'm going to enjoy this, number one. And number two, I, they were talking about their teams. And I said, I got everybody in my team is a nice person. They've helped me to do a lot. But I have to even upgrade my team. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably going to start all over again. And uh, I said, uh, that's the night that I read my first book ever, that night. Yeah, that night I read my first book. And that book that I read changed, changed the way I thought. I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to do single family. I'm going to just sell all my properties. I'm going to let my staff go. I'm going to bring a new staff, and I'm going to buy apartments. 
What was that book? It was um, Mikey and the Dragons by Joko Willicks. I forget the guy's name. The Navy Joko Willick? Yeah, that guy, that guy. Mm-hmm. Mikey yeah. and the Dragons. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my kind of book. It's about a 20-minute read. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of pictures and big, thick letters, <laughs> right? It takes about 20 minutes. Now, it's on YouTube. If I would have known it would have been on YouTube, I would have listened to it. I would have never read it. <laughs> but I read that book, and it was big story. I mean, just big pictures. Just the king dies, and the son, 10 years old, needs to fight the dragons. And the king tells, and the, kid, the little kid is scared because he thinks the dragons are big. And he finds a letter from his dad saying, hey, the, the, the dragons aren't as big as you think they are. But he's still scared. He still goes fights them, right? And when he actually goes to fight the dragons, he's really scared. The dragons were this big. They weren't really that big. They were just big in your mind. So that, for me, that was like pivoting, right? Like to buying mobile home park or buying an apartment building. That was a dragon to me, right? Like it is to a lot of single family guys. They see like a dragon. Like I talked to a whole bunch of them. They're like, I want to do it at some point, but they don't know what's, they see it as a dragon and they're not as big as you think they are. But not, what really got me from that book is on the way back, everybody from the town was cheering him on because he defeated the dragons Mm -hmm. and he's telling everybody hey from the mountaintop right the dragons are this small don't be afraid don't be afraid nobody paid attention right like you're sitting here right now you can tell a thousand people hey you can do this you can do it and i just heard you on your intro consistency like super simple steps yeah it just most people are just gonna it's gonna blow their mind like Right. right you have the really small few right um a really small few that are actually going to feel that and actually, and actually fulfill it. Right. And do those actual steps. Um, anyway, so that's the story of me pivoting from single family to multifamily. So the inspiration or the lesson from there was yep. the apartments is not going to be as difficult. Correct. Let's go for it. Yep. So, and I'm asking this question because when you first mentioned that I was thinking maybe uh, upgrading the team won't be as challenging as, as, as you thought, think it might yeah. be. You know what? I thought about that, but I said, one thing that I changed a lot in here in the last couple of years is I'm not afraid to hire anybody who's smarter than me, mm-hmm. who has better education, who speaks better than me, who looks better than me. It's not very hard to do that, Steve. It's <laughs> not very hard, right? So um, I say, you know, I, I say, I'm okay with that, right? I, my ego, I'm, I don't, you know, we all have an ego, but I say, I'm okay with that. I'd rather have somebody a lot better than me to help me. If I'm the best guy in my company, I know how to do everything. I don't want, I don't want that. Yeah, I'm um, with you. I get that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it wasn't that much of my staff. It was more you know, conquering the next real estate goals that I had. Okay. Yeah. So when, when was this exactly? That was September of 2019. Okay. So end of 19, towards yeah. the end of 19, you, you went back and told everyone Yep. we're shifting. You've got to go. Like, did yep. you retain anybody? Not really. Um, we just kind of started letting go slowly, right? And getting rid of our properties. Okay. Um, yep. And then you made a conscious decision to start yep. acquiring apartments. Yep. When did you acquire your first one? Uh, uh, so I didn't know how I was going to do it. I had no idea. But I said, I'm going to buy the first one by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Right. And my wife asked me when I told her, like, honey, I'm quitting. She looked at me. She's like, it, was, it didn't surprise her, which is kind of strange. Right. I, I didn't see a surprise in her face. She just, she, nothing she's surprised her. She's just used to it. And uh, she, all she said was, honey, how much time do you need? That's what she told me. I don't know any better. I said, two years. I should say like five, but I said two. Um, and she's like, okay. And that was it. That was like the whole conversation. Um, but I said, I'm going to buy an apartment building by the end of, of the year. It's super easy, Steve. Step number one is you got to believe you can do it, right? Step number two is you got to network with people that are doing that, mm-hmm. right? And step number three is take some action. Super easy. So that's exactly what I did, right? I believe that I can do it. I started networking with people that are buying apartment buildings and I started taking action. And sure enough, by December 3rd, I bought my first apartment building. That's amazing. Yeah. So... 
Tell us about it. Yeah. It's a 63 unit in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, good friends of mine had it under contract. And I said, hey, what can I do to be part of this deal? Like, I'll, I'll shovel shit if I have to, right? I mean, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I was flipping 50 properties a year, right? So I was making decent change, right? But I didn't care what I had to do mm-hmm. to be part of this deal. And they're like, hey, um, that was the first big purchase. Said, hey, how about you raise, help us raise some money, do some due diligence, maybe a little bit of the construction. I said, I'll do it. You had to raise $1.2 million. So I said, oh, I can do that. Like I used to have three to five from private investors when I was flipping 50 properties. And I over-promised and under-delivered. I got punched in the face. Bam. Right? I raised 200 k 200 k out of the 1.2, 1.3. And from people that weren't even, had never even gave me money in the past. It was two brand new investors. Um, because I realized right away I had the wrong avatar mm-hmm. as my investor. Yeah. I had flippers, like guys who wanted to flipper, fund flippers. Not fun for two, three, four, five years. Yeah. They leave their money in. So that's another pivot I had to make pretty quickly. Right. Okay. So partnering up and closing your first one. Yep. Um, and then what was it like after that? Yeah. So after I did that, I said, you know what? This is not that hard. Right. Like I'm not a super detailed kind of guy. I said, okay, great. Let me bring somebody in who's really detailed. I can handle all the diligence and all this paperwork to get an apartment building closed. There's like 100, 200 items that we got to go through, which that's definitely not me. I'll be very unhappy if I have to do that. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and brought in um, somebody to help me do the asset management. I brought in my staff. Um, and I started telling everybody from the top of the mountains, hey, I'm buying apartment buildings. I'm buying apartment buildings. Actually, even before I bought my first one, I tell everybody all the time, if, you, if, if I if I was sit here and if I come on your show once a month and I say I have a third nipple, Right. I'll be Javier with a third nipple. Like, yeah, 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 Javier. Yeah, the guy with the third nipple, right? So you tell people what you're doing. Hey, I'm flipping houses. I'm buying apartments. I'm buying, you know, I'm doing real estate. Whatever it is you're doing, you tell everybody and their mother that you're doing that, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, so after December, I started doing that, right? I started telling everybody I'm buying apartment buildings. Uh, I was already acquiring off-market properties before, single family. So I kind of tweaked it a little bit to start, you know, acquiring some apartments. And, And that was it. You know, I mean, we we started getting some really good deal flow. So just preaching from the, or, or yeah. screaming from the mountaintops yep. and you have one person you hired yep. to do asset management. And that's how you went from basically yeah. <laughs> shuttering one business yeah. to getting the 690 doors. Yeah. So Brian, Brian, the CEO, asset manager, and I probably did, I don't know, I might've done like a week of actual calls and sales calls, like a mm-hmm. week. I brought him in. I said, here you go. You're going to do everything for me right now. And then after we got our first property under con- uh, close and he got one Find a really good deal in North Carolina, a really good deal. And then I went ahead and hired an acquisitions person. Mm. So I had like two really good, important people in my staff because I don't like to do, I'm super lazy. That's why I work so hard. And uh, I don't want to do any detail and I don't want to do sales. Yeah. So I, I, I outsourced that right away. So somebody asked me, can, can you help me underwrite an apartment building? Uh, I could probably, I can just give me like half an hour mm. so I can refresh my memory because I haven't yeah. done it in a year and a half. But I have my staff that are really good at it. So I just made sure I brought in the key people and A players, right? Had to be A players right off the bat. And that could knew a lot more than I did. So I can go ahead and go find a deal flow and go raise money. Right. Got I it. just, that was pretty much my steps. All right. So um, what does your business look like today? What's Javier responsible for? What does your team look like today? Well, I feel like um, we're, we're doing fairly well, right? We got 690 units, you know, valuation about $50 million, right? Um, but I'm still involved in a lot of parts of my business because my CEO is doing my asset management. As soon as he moves over, hopefully in the next 60 days, and he jumps over to COO, and that'll be awesome. But I have cold callers. Uh, I have six or seven cold callers. 
I have uh, my director of acquisition. He does all the underwriting and he helps close the deals. I have two closers. All they do is close. And I have two follow-up people uh, that all they do is follow up on the closers leads. Um, I just hired a junior acquisition. He does disposition and he helps my director of acquisition. I have my, and then I have a marketing team, right? I have my, my executive assistant and like five people on the marketing team that like for social media, um, you know, IT, things like that. So it's about 20, 22 of us right now. Got it. Yeah. And um, one thing I always wonder, right? Because I see this, you got Tim Bratz, right? Yeah. Someone well-known in the, in the multifamily space. And, uh, you know, we were talking about Ryan Pineda earlier. Yep. He's, he's getting into that space. So what I always wonder is how is it possible that someone that's not doing apartments yeah. can cold call apartment owners and buy them? And I, and I ask this question because I'm in the traditional real estate residential yeah. side and I not um, I didn't test the waters, but I know people on the commercial real estate side. Yeah. You got the Marcus Amilla chap, you got the yeah. uh, Colliers International, there's other like major commercial um, they're not brokerages, but they're commercial real estate firms. entities. Yeah, yeah. Firms. There sure. you go. And their job is to cold call yeah. and harass apartment yeah. owners. To get listings for 20 30 40 years generate they pass it generations sometimes a yeah. dad pass it to their son yes so how are you getting a deal when is these other guys their responsibility like that is their only job is to call owners so think about this right how many times have you guys called a single family house mm -hmm. and that owner says i get this call all the time like all the time but you know what you, you close it you happen to close it exact same thing mm -hmm. We call these people and they're like, oh, you, I get calls all the time from, are you a broker? You know, are you, are you, who, what, what firm are you from? Right. Because they get that phone call all the time. You just got to be consistent. At some point, they'll be like, you know what? Yes. Let, let's have a conversation. I like you. Let's have a conversation. And that's basically really it. It's just being consistent. Yeah. It's just being consistent because somebody's going to call them. Somebody's going to get that listing or somebody's going to buy them. So why not you? Why not me? Yeah. Right. So that's what we did. Like we have one in North Carolina. Uh, George, my CEO, he called her and, and she's like, she's like, I get this call all the time, but you know what? You sound like a nice young man. Let's have a conversation. Long story short, 72 units. We bought it for 1.3 million. We've had it for a year. We're in it for about 2.1 2, 2, and it's worth like 4.8, yeah. right? That's one year, right? And we probably haven't spent, you know, of my time, maybe 40 or 80 hours for, of a year trying right. to stabilize that apartment building. And it was just from a phone call and she's got a lot of phone calls in the past. So yeah, yeah just got to be consistent. So you mentioned stabilizing. So let's talk a little bit about yeah. that. What does it look like? You buy this property, got to be a little bit of distress. It could be. It depends what your strategy is, right? Okay. So you got people that buy like, you have the big funds that buy like uh, A-class, beautiful, luxury, because they have billions. So they, if they make 3% on a billion dollars, that's pretty good. Yeah. If you got a million and making 3%, it's not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... You, you know, what, what are you going to go, what are you going to go after? You know, the A class or B class was kind of like nice as well. Um, or are you going to go C class, which those are a little more distressed, right? Need a little more rehab. It depends what your strategy is. So what I do is I go over the, the distressed, right? I want to be all in for like 60, 65 cents mm -hmm. on a dollar. If it's worth 10 million, I want to be all in for 70, $70 million, right? That's the goal. And for it to take me less than two years to get it all stabilized, like, you know, bought it, rehabbed, leased out and turned like in two years, right? That's the goal. Um, but at the same time, I'll buy some prettier properties, like a B property, maybe not as a big discount, 
making a little bit of money like some cash flow so i have cash flow now mm-hmm. on this c-, c properties you might not have cash flow for a year or six months or 18 months because they're in the, they're in the negative because you're trying to flip them right. even if it's making money you still got your money put it back in it because you want to turn it quick mm-hmm. so you can do a little bit of both you can have like your like a certain portfolio that brings you a lot of cash like the c properties and you can buy some some b properties or even nicer at a really high cap rate like in phoenix Right. In case the market changes, you know, you don't lose your shirt if the market changes because you still have these other properties that made you a lot of money. Yeah. So that's kind of my strategy. But everybody has an investor personality. Right. What, what is your personality? Yeah. So this one that you're stabilizing is your intent to keep it or eventually flip it? Yeah. So we'll probably end up keeping it. It's in a small town. But if you say it's worth five million dollars, the bank will give us back 70 percent of that. So they'll give us back three point five. We're going to be in it for two point one, say two point two. There's like over a million dollars in cash out proceeds. Mm-hmm. The problem we're going to have is the bank's going to be like, man, I don't want to give you a million dollar proceeds on this small property, right? They might say no. They might say, hey, we'll only give you half a million. That's okay. But then we're all in like at 65 or 60% LTV. I mean, that's a really nice cash flow. Right. Right. So ideally, I don't want to be an f- apartment flipper, right? Because a lot of people buy an apartment for three years and they, they have to sell it to make the returns. You're flipping an apartment building. That's what, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. If you can buy it and then refinance out and keep it for the rest of your life. Because basically like a burn method, right? The burn method. Right, exactly. I think those are the best ones. Gotcha. All right. And then the uh, last question I have is you're in a Hall of Fame? Yeah, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad Hall of Fame. That's where I got my training. And uh, What is that? So in 2018, I got an email, a phone call, I don't recall, but it said, hey, we've seen your success and we want to nominate you for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I had to fill out all these forms and send them in. And sure enough, they said, hey, you've been nominated. And then I was out in Vegas in uh, uh, October 2018, and there was about 5,000 students a year, and there was only like five or seven to pick every year, and I was one of those seven. And at that event, I met Tim Rotz before he started doing his coaching, and he's the one that planted in my head to buy an apartment building in that event. Oh, that's awesome. I I didn't know he was a Hall of Famer as well. Yeah. And then you're wearing a shirt. Oh, yes. What is the Team Millionaire Challenge about? Team Millionaire Challenge um, started last week. A good friend of mine. Last week. Yeah, last week. Okay. So it's um, a good friend of mine, Tim Mai and Robert Allen. He's the author of a One Minute, One Minute Millionaire. Uh, he's written a lot of real estate books. Um, they said, hey, look, we want to bring in some teens to buy apartment buildings, right? Let, let's see who can mentor them. And they thought about me and I was super honored. I'm like, okay, great. I'll do it. Yeah. And uh, so they all came to my office for two weeks. I trained them up and now we're like cold calling. We're sending text messages. We're calling brokers. We're calling sellers. And we got 19 of them from all walks of life, from people who, a couple of kids showed up with no laptops, mm-hmm. right? To a couple of kids that their parents are worth tens and tens of millions of dollars, okay? So we put them in three different groups and their job is now for the next 12 months, um, they're gonna run their business just like you and I run our business, weekly calls, KPIs, you know, what, what are, your, are you hitting your numbers? They're gonna have their internal meetings and then we'll have a meeting all together. And they're gonna take for the next year, they're gonna go out and source deals, make, analyze them and make offers. For the first 90 days, we're gonna review all the offers. After 90 days, I don't even want to see them. They, mm-hmm. need, they can just send them on their own. And they're going to get some properties under contract. And then I'll come in. If it's a big property, any help, I'll bring in another partner and we'll buy them. And they'll get a piece of the pie for bringing a deal. And if they want to raise capital, they can raise capital. We'll teach them how to raise capital. Everything. At 16 years old, imagine that. Yeah. But we're just saying, what were you doing at 16 or 17, right? Video games. Uh, video I was games. really good at NBA Jam. Uh, NBA Jam. I was playing a Tech Mobile. What else was I playing? Uh, <laughs> I was playing uh, Contra, yeah. uh, Shinobi. I don't know. Anyways, there's some, some, old, uh, some old video games. But. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited because uh, one of the youngest ones there is my daughter. She's 16. And I've really never pushed real estate on my kids. 
in a way they have a little resentment to real estate because that's the business that took the data away. Mm-hmm. Like the, my greatest sacrifice was my family's time. It wasn't even mine. It was their time. Right. right? I was growing, building my business. And uh, so I really never pushed it. And she decided to do it on her own. So for me, that was a big deal. And her team just made an offer yesterday for $9 million. I was so happy. Right? They didn't awesome. even ask me. They just made the offer. I'm like, hey, that's super cool. That's awesome. All right. So let's pretend I decide, right? Yep. You know, my team don't listen to this part. So let's just say I decide, <laughs> you know what? Scrap everything. I'm starting all over. I want to get into multifamily. Yeah. So what, is, what would you, advice would you give me starting from scratch? Starting from scratch, right? So uh, uh, you already fired everybody, let everybody go, or maybe put somebody else to take over your business, right? Yeah. Somebody took, maybe you didn't fire everybody. Somebody came in because you're doing such a good job <laughs> that it's easy to put somebody in to run the whole business. Yeah. For me, it, was not, it wasn't going to work that way. Um, so you already believe you can do it, right? Mm-hmm. And number two, you got to hang out with people who are buying apartment buildings, right? If you're hanging out with flippers and wholesalers, well, you know, come on, we've all heard this, right? You, who are the five people you hang around with the most? Right. Right? Yeah. Um, so if you're hanging out with flippers, wholesalers, you're going to be a flipper wholesaler, mm-hmm. right? So go f- hang out with people that are buying apartment buildings or are buying warehouses or, or if you want to be an influencer, go hang out with influencers, right? That's what you're going to be, mm-hmm. right? And then number three, um, just take some action, right? Okay, right? Now that I'm networking, what do I need to do? Like, what's my reach? Oh, you know what? I can raise capital. I have a huge following. I'm going to buy apartment buildings. So I'm going to raise money, right? Or uh, I'm great at finding deals, right? Or I have a high net worth. I'm just going to sign deals. Right. Or my team's great operations. I'm going to, I'm going to operate the building. Yeah. So you just a couple, there's a lot of different things you can do. Like, do you don't you have, have to do all of them. You have this thing like with houses, like you pull a list. Yeah. Yeah. Exact same so thing. What, exact same mean, what thing. list are you pulling? You can go on like on list source. So you can go anywhere. Right. And you can get, uh, just apartments. Right. And you, in apartments, usually you have a five, seven, 10 year loans. So you might have a 30 year am, but a five year balloon. Right. So um, you gotta, it'll tell you when the loan is due. So you want to like ca- call the ones that the loan is due like in 12 months. Cause mm-hmm. they either got to refinance or they got to sell. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are like the, the good ones. And then you say like, Hey, you know, which are the older ones, right? Like 60s, seventies, eighties, probably most likely to sell cause they're older. And if you can find the age of the owners or the partners, cause now sometimes it's the LLC, you got to find the LLC members. Mm-hmm. And if they're a lot older, then most likely they're also willing to sell. Just like you stack your list for houses, mm-hmm. you can stack your list for apartments. Yeah. And then you can go from like 20 units, 50 units, 100 units. The sweet spot really is 20 to 80 for like most end of, uh, investors just because the big guys aren't, aren't going after those, right? right. They're, they're all under, you know, $10 million, $5 million under or below, you know. Uh, we start going over the like $10 million, $15 million, $20 million. You're fighting against like money from other, other countries and they'll, they'll want more, they want less return. Yeah. So they're going to pay more than you. They're willing right? to pay more. They're willing yeah. to overpay. So just like anything, right. Um, but it's not a, it's not a big, it's not a big, uh, transition. It's just, just knowing exactly like, you know, the little details, what do I do here, 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 and here. You're just speaking your systems. Yeah. So, and how do I analyze it now? It's a, it's a little different now. Right. It's just, yeah. So for me, we transitioned from, um, a residential team. Uh, and then we built out like a wholesaling team. Okay. So it sounds like you just kind of took your wholesaling flipping team, yeah. just tweaked it a little bit yeah. and it became an apartment That's right. uh, um, acquisition team. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you can wholesale apartments too. It's a lot harder than single family. Yeah. But you get some nice fees, two hundred, three, four, four, five hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Fees. No, I've heard these, I've heard you, these you uh, multiple nice six figure yes, assignment yeah, seven fees. figures. I mean, super yeah. close seven figures sometimes so you can get. Yeah. Nice. So, um, I guess those will pay some bills. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. pay some bills for sure. All right. So let's see, let's look at the questions here. Um, Uh, some creative stuff. So, uh, Cesar Rios on Facebook wants to know, 
How do you manage out of state flips? As you were flipping nationwide, how did you? Oh, um, yeah, very badly. <laughs> <laughs> very badly. So um, you got to make sure you partner with the right people, mm-hmm. right? So I, I had one, one, a couple of markets, I didn't have the right partners there. So we just weren't aligned perfectly. So if I was to do it again, I would make sure whoever my partner there was would have some skin in the game. Right. And yeah. I would, I would partner just because. So not someone that's like an employee. Per yeah. Se. I would not do that. Yeah. It's, it's just too challenging. It's, it's challenging enough to do it um, locally with employees. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, Clippy Rima wants to know on Facebook, where did you find your closers at? Where did you find your closers at? Um, uh, he's having some challenges with his yeah, calls right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super challenging, right? Trying to get some good people that do sales. Um, so I like an easy button. Like for me, I like easy. If you give me an easy button, it's super cool. If I can outsource everything, if I can outsource arguing with my wife, I would outsource arguing with my wife, right? Super easy. <laughs> At the end, the guy's got to say, I'm sorry, honey. I love you. Order some flowers. That's it. Super easy. <laughs> but anyways, so I, you know, I, I used to try to hire my own. I'm just not a good hire. Yeah. Well, I, it's because you're a visionary yeah, and I, you so, love people. Yeah. So I, I'll go through a third party, like HR company that'll just put the ad out headhunt for me and you got to pay him. I mean, you know, I got to pay him. Is there him. someone that you use? Yes, I do. Yes. Who's that? His name's Scott Hannes. Hopefully Scott, uh, if I was okay, if I use your name. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, um, H, uh, 42 to HR solutions. Yeah. God, I think he was, uh, I, I think I met him through legacy. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. and then, uh, for me personally, if I could outsource anything, it's working out, but Oh, that would be awesome. We got to invent a machine where you lay there and it works you out. They have those things where it kind of twitches. Oh, I don't know how well that works. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Pete Hernandez wants to know, how quick do you set up an LLC before doing your first wholesale or flip? I'm, I'm excited. It? I'm excited yeah. to hear your, your yeah. answer to this. I mean, even when I used to get a property under contract, sometimes I'd even create, I get an, an LLC I didn't even own yet, but you can just go online in any state and for like a hundred, 200 bucks, fill it out, fill out, fill out the paperwork. You know, yeah. They'll have videos how to do it. So, you know, that's right there. Just uh, fill it out. It's 200 bucks. Just get yourself a, a wholesaling LLC so you don't, you know, you don't, you don't get in trouble. We do uh, the same thing with apartments. Every apartment, you buy it with a different LLC. So my team doesn't love me at the moment, right? Okay. Uh, so we're closing on a property in two days. Okay. Uh, in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, and we create an LLC for actually each house. Oh, okay. Wow. Right? Okay. And so they're like, we can't have an LLC because <laughs> we name each LLC under the, after the house, right? And then, you know, the holding companies in Wyoming, whatever. Anyway, sure. long story short, we contract a property that I want to keep. So I tell the team, hey, I want to keep this one. I was like, okay, great. So what's the LLC? He's like, I don't know. And we just say the address. and say, okay, we're, <laughs> that's the LLC. So the whole selling team is dealing with the, the holdings team and they're going back and forth. And I'm sure they're just like mumbling under their breath, you know, but. Yeah, hey, that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do, right? Like sometimes my staff's like, before you put any on social media, if you're going to have an event, you're going to do anything. Please let us know because we get bombarded with questions. And the last one that I did was over Memorial Day weekend. Like, I didn't think about it. I'm like, yeah, May 28th. Why not? Mm-hmm. Anyways, but yeah, I, I understand what you mean. My first event, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a Memorial Day weekend. And I was like, man, I have so many people that tell I would come. But it's the weekend. But it's Memorial Day I know, Day right? Weekend. But we yeah. don't think about those details. We sometimes. don't. We don't. Uh, so Eric Richner wants to know, uh, are you funding or partnering on any apartments in other markets? Yeah. So I have seven, seven buildings in seven different states. Okay. So yeah, I'll buy, I'll buy anywhere. And, and for sure, yeah, I'll partner with folks. So if someone wanted to bring a deal to you, yeah. how would that work? Yeah. Just, uh, just follow me, uh, find me on, on, um, you, you have, you have my contact information here on the show notes mm-hmm. and, um, you'll be able to find me on social media, email me and I'll connect you with my director of acquisition. And we have like a cool form where you can put your information in 
and you put in the deal and it submits it and it has your it has like your timestamp so it knows it's yours yeah and actually even on that form we have an excel calculator and a video showing you how to analyze the property even before you send it to us if you want to do it on your own that's so, awesome yeah uh josh alter on youtube wants to know how do you go about finding your a players for your multifamily business specifically acquisition underwriter yeah so i, I when i went to find my um that my my underwriter and my acquisition director I had to make sure they had a little bit of uh, knowledge because it's just so hard, especially for me. I didn't really know much, right? Mm. I was just starting. So, which is easier You're for You're finding them. people with more experience than you. Yes. You know, so again, my friend Scott Hannes found me this young, sharp guy who was wanting to get a promotion, but COVID hit and they said, hey, you're not going to get a promotion no more to be acquisition because we're stopped. We're not going to hire because of COVID. And somehow my buddy Scott got a hold of him and convinced him to come work for part of our team so yeah that's why i found them I, I like easy buttons my friend i love easy buttons oh no that makes sense and I, yeah. i'm a very big fan of that as well uh josh h wants to know what markets are you buying apartments in i'll buy an apartment pretty much any market like uh, i'm actually buying a mobile home park in new york i never thought i'd say that but i got such in a good new deal york. yeah i know right it's like i never thought i see that i say that but uh it's 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 pretty it's a really it's a really good deal uh, it's a good purchase price, and the owner's carrying like thirty percent, so even better. Yeah, uh, you can do some. Oh, you can do some creative stuff too with commercial real estate. Super creative, and the tax benefits are insane. But um, really, it's got to be a good purchase price, right? Either good purchase price or really good market. Um, we just got like our checklist. Um, a, a, you know, good market, um, maybe a hundred thousand or more. And um, either if it's not cash flowing, it has to be at a discount. Like we have to be all in at sixty five percent. If it's cash flowing, as long as we get somewhat somewhat of a discount, eighty eighty five percent, all. All in, we're fine. So, but yeah, I buy I'll buy all over the country. Got it. Um, and then you were saying there were some creative options. Yeah. What are the creative options? Like with the uh, sellers. Well, or, you're talking about like when you're doing commercial, you get to do more. You get to be oh, more yeah. creative on the deal. Oh yeah, you can get more creative even when you go raise capital, right? So, mm -hmm. say um, you need to raise a million dollars, and you're buying. I'll give you an example. I'm buying the mobile home park for five point five million. In the first year, I'll be able to deduct over two million dollars in taxes. Mm -hmm. So if I have an investor who has a really high tax bill liability and his tax structure allows him to write off any kind of depreciation, he can lend me a million dollars and I can give him a million dollars of depreciation. I'm just saying the number. And that means he saves himself three to 400K mm -hmm. in his taxes. He just made like 30, 40% on his money. Right. If I hold his money for two years, he's making like 20% on his money per year, just on that aspect, right? But he also has a little bit of ownership in the build, in the building, and I might give him some interest and some cash flow. Right. It's really good the way raise money. It's actually a lot easier to raise money for commercial properties, I think. It is interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it. it is. It's really really interesting. So. All right, and then Senefinis uh, on YouTube wants to know how much cash flow are you getting per? How much cash flow are you getting on all those units every month? Sure. So we have five that are heavy value add. So all the cash flow goes back into those apartments. Once those apartments are stabilized and we refinance, it's going to be about 40K just on those five, mm -hmm. right? We have two right now that are pretty much stabilized and we're getting somewhere around, I don't know, 15,000, something like that. I don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't quote me on that. I wish George Maceo was here because yeah. so he's the one that knows. After all yeah. expenses are paid, including property management, servicing yeah. the lease, um, the maintenance, yeah. all that. Yeah, easily you get about 15,000 per, um, per apartment uh, yeah. building. It also depends how much you own of the, build, of the, of the complex. Because when you buy an apartment building, you buy it as, as a team. So if you own a 5%, you might keep 5% of the cash flow. Mm -hmm. If you own 30%, you own 30% of the cash flow, right? Yeah. Or however you structure your deal. So it also depends on the, on, on the apartment complex. But, but in general, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring in around twelve to $15,000 per apartment building. Got it. All right. Uh, Luis Garcia wants to know, uh, 
question for Javi. What's the one thing that Steve can improve on the channel? It's a very interesting question. You're going to... On this one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, uh, well, I was trying to look cooler than him. I was telling him before the show. I was trying to, yeah. trying to look. And he was wearing black. I'm wearing black. I said, I'm not going to... It ain't going to work for me. You know, <laughs> but uh, I think maybe get some more commercial guys on here, right? I don't know. <laughs> you know, get some more guys that... Uh, I've been trying to get, get Tim forever. Tim's too dang busy. Yeah, he's busy. Yeah, get some guys that buy and sell storage or warehouse. You we know, got Fernando like Angelucci coming on. Okay, Fernando, yeah. My good friend, Fernando, yeah. 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 So we got... All right. We're working on it. Yeah, yeah. Right? It'd be a little, you know, that way everybody can, you know, open their... Fernando's one of those guys. They want to come out during COVID. Oh, look at that. So, yeah, give your audience a, a shiny object syndrome. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, we were talking about that. We also have those challenges as yeah, well. Yeah, I know. We all do. For sure. Uh, Anthony Canella wants to know, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? I can have dinner with anybody dead or alive. And who would it be? Interesting. Alexander the Great. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. So what about Alexander the Great? I don't know. All these stories, right? I mean, he conquered the known world and he was like, what, 28, mm -hmm. 25, right? I just right. want to see his, his thought process, right? I, I guarantee he was a 120% visionary. Like, mm -hmm. he, he was just like, let's go. Let's figure it out. Let's burn the ships, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're taking this castle. This is how we're taking it. We, we either die or we ain't going home because we have no ships. Right. right. That's a true visionary for me. It is. I would say Alexander the Great. That's interesting. And he is from Macedonia, by the way. He was not Greece, Greek. He was Macedonian. Mm, got it. And then Kai Nguyen wants to know, uh, he's in DFW area. He's trying to learn his market. Any advice for someone trying to learn this business in the DFW area? Uh, if, if it's apartments, if it's apartments, well, it doesn't matter. Even if it's real estate in general, go find some local meetups. Oh, Dallas is, has an abundance of awesome people awesome meetups just go on meetup.com ask around and you'll find some multifamily meetups real estate meetups there's an abundance in dallas for sure yeah and then Luis, uh follow-up question is how is commercial valued if it's not based on comps um it's a business so commercial uh property is actually a business it's got real estate and it has a business mm -hmm. so the the more income the less expenses the more it's worth it's actually that simple yeah, yeah. gotcha and Luis, yeah, we did have Chris Crone uh, slated, but he had something come up. So okay. uh, we are trying to uh, reschedule it. But if you know Chris Crone, let him know that we're still waiting for him. I'll send him a message. All right, cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, coming back to Facebook. Um, how do you spell Scott's last name? This is for Clippy Rima. Oh, Hannes, H-A-N-I-S. There you go. Uh, so Vincent Blair wants to know, do you plan on moving into other types of assets such as storage, industrial hotels? So I do have a mobile home park right now and uh, being super close, finding some self storage. I just, when I go to a new asset, I need to get a stupid good deal because if I totally screw it up, I still want to make money. Yeah. So I've been so close in so many and I, pretty soon I'll say in the next 90 days, I want some self storage for sure. Got it. Um, and then, um, yeah. So Toby says it's a great show. Um, what else yeah. Uh so Eric Richner, follow up question on Facebook. If someone brought you a deal to partner on, would you be willing to impart some of that apartment wizardry knowledge? Yeah, so that's exactly what you know, that's what I recommend, right? Like somebody says, Hey, look, how do I get started? If you can't sign a loan, if you can raise money, well, you can't all just only raise money, but help raise capital for it or fund a deal say it properly. Um or or um uh, help with construction, you know, if, if somebody brings a project, right? The biggest thing you can do, whoever you partner with is ask them, Hey, can I see how the sausage is made? Like, mm -hmm. what can I do? Right. Cause that's, that's what, honestly, that's gold. Like I would bring you, like, if I wanted to do 
you know, hospitality, right? Mm -hmm. And you knew you were the expert. Like, I bring you a deal. I wouldn't want anything. I just want to learn. I'd be like, Steve, let me learn everything, how you do this whole process. And just in the room while you're working. Yeah, let me just, let me serve you water. Let me <laughs> massage your feet. I massage your feet, man. <laughs> you know, let me, let, let me do that. Let me learn. And yeah. knowing my personality, I don't want to do all the details. I just put a team together to help me do it, right? But that's just me. And everybody has their own way of doing things. But, um, but you know, Steve, you're such a good guy. You'd be like, hey, you get some equity, you get some acquisition fee for bringing the project, right? And that's what most people would do. All right. They give you some money and some equity. Uh, so you mentioned earlier raising capital yep. and you had to switch your mindset, switch avatars. Yes. So what was that pivot when you were switching to raise private money? Yeah, just hanging out with different people, right? So people say, hey, how do I raise money? What, what, what are you hanging out? Who are you talking to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love, you know, I love my, you know, uh, my friends, everybody, but like, you know, at some point, if I need to raise $5 million, like my friends don't have it, mm -hmm. you know? So you got to be able to get yourself out there, go to conferences, uh, connect with people, you know, associations, uh, networking events, and just start building your network before you need anything, before you need money, right? Mm -hmm. You start building that network and tell them you have that third nipple, right? Tell them, <laughs> hey, I have a third nipple, you know? Anyways. All right. Uh, uh Laney wants to know, uh, she has 17 years old that wants to invest in real estate. She's very driven. Is the team program still open? If so, how does she get involved? Awesome. I will. Uh, it's awesome to have a driven 17 year old, first of all. And, um, so this season one is closed. Um, but we are going to open up a season two and uh, we kind of put it together like in 30 days, like pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So just as time is going on, we're going to put the website together and like some opt-in forms. People can follow along. As we're going through this process, and when we open registration again, it'll, it'll definitely be uh, open. But for this one, it's already closed. Yeah. I'm sorry. You have an anticipation when the next one's going to be open? Oh, not yet. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll know in the next 30 days. Gotcha. Oh, there you go. I, okay. I already just asked the same question. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, advice. we're going to use some of our teens now to be kind of mentors as well, come back and help out. So it's going to be pretty cool. That is awesome. And, and, and we're documenting everything, by the way. So we got video. We're going to create a whole documentary on it. It's going to be pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, Cesar, uh, follow-up question. How do you wholesale an apartment? Do you contract at a high cap rate and sell at a lower cap rate? It just depends, right? Uh, where's the money to be made on the apartment building? The biggest thing about selling an apartment building is who's your buyer, to be honest with you. Um, if you're like a brand new buyer so hard because you haven't, you're not proven, it kind of sucks because you're not proven unless you come in hard with some money or, or something, right? Um, you got to make sure you vet your buyer. Uh, they, they've been able to close in the past. Maybe they own something close by. That's really more important than like the price. Mm. Right? After, you, after you know you have a good buyer, right? Then you got to see how, how that apartment is going to make them money. Gotcha. So you so, want to make sure that they've either closed on something yeah. or they're close by. Those are two of your most important things in finding the buyer. Yeah. yeah. And how do you value an apartment building? Um, you know, it's just, you can always use the 1% rule, right? If it's grossing $5,000, you know, it's worth 500K, right? Mm. You know, it's good. If you pay 500K for it, then you should be okay. Just rule of thumb, but just... Big picture, right? Just just a 10-second overview of the property. But that wouldn't work, right, in, in, in Phoenix? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Would you get a $5,000 gross for 500K? Probably not in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean... I, if I get a... What do you get here? Like a, The last time I was looking, it was like uh, low fours. Oh, my gosh. Four caps. Rate. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. So if we find this apartment building in like 40 minutes from uh, Kansas City, and uh, it was a 11-unit grossing like 4800 bucks. We got it on a contract for 160 k <laughs> In yeah, a nice man. area. In a nice area. That works all day. Yeah, like, holy smokes, that's a great deal. I'm, I'm like, I was talking about buying it, but like, no, I'm, I'm trying to buy like 100 plus. Mm -hmm. So I sold it to a buddy of mine for like 300,000 and wholesaled it. Yeah. And he's still going to make, he's going to make a few hundred thousand on it. 
Yeah, I think that's someone like something where even though I'm not in apartments, yeah, I probably would have said yes to that deal. Yeah, it's 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 it like man, I considered it. Trust me, trust me, <laughs> Steve. I'm like man, that's a good deal. I can buy to make half a million bucks, but nah. All right. Uh, so uh, Yaquez wants to know how do you find wholesale apartment deals? The same way you find a uh, single family, right? Mm-hmm. You get your list. You can call them. You can email them. You can. Well, I think he's talking about them. like how do you find the people that are sourcing that would wholesale it. Oh, that we're wholesaling it. Mm-hmm. Um, just join some some Facebook groups that um, that do multifamily, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a v, I have a buyer's list. If anybody on the show notes, you guys find me on social media, and I have a buyer's list. We yeah. send out. We get about I don't know at least two a week under contract. So we got make it. like uh, the last numbers that I got. We did uh, we underwrote seventy six properties. We made like thirty five offers in one week, right? And we got like four contracts. These are apartment buildings. These are houses. I'm talking apartment buildings, okay? Mm-hmm. Some people don't do that in houses a year. Right. Some people don't do this a year in apartments. So we got a pretty good flow going, and we get a pretty good deal flow. Yeah. Um, and then Eric Richner has got a guy who's in Atlanta, wants to buy all the real estate in a nearby area, so definitely need to stay. Oh, Atlanta. I just got a get in touch bad text this morning. We had like 400 units under contract, and the seller don't want to sell no more. Oh, what happened? Yeah. Uh, one of the kids don't want to sell. Mm. So I, I got to go figure out that fire after here. Let's see if we can convince them to somehow leave them in a deal or do something. Uh, Luis Garcia wants to know, are there any VAs on your team? Yes. Um, I'll pretty much uh, have um, everybody's virtual um, except for my videographer. He's local. My director of acquisition is local and my COO is local. Like live in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Well, actually my COO has been in Mexico for the last six months and he's not coming back. I said, George, are you coming back? He's like, uh, I think I'm staying. <laughs> so he's been visiting family and uh, he might, he might not come back. Um, and Antonio Canelo wants to know, besides Alexander, who's your biggest hero? Who's my biggest hero? Present company excluded. Present company excluded. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, for making that a little bit harder for me. Uh, I would say my biggest hero. I don't know. That's a question that actually I never even thought about before. Um, man, my biggest hero. I don't. I have to really think about that one, Steve. I, yeah. I you know, um, I, I would. You know, I'll tell you what. As far as my as far as my hero go, I would say my mom. Right? She was a single mom. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was little, and she just worked all her t- all her life. And she passed away like eight years ago. She was fifty five years old. And my lifelong goal was to take care of her when she got old. So yeah. she, she, she's definitely my hero. Yeah, she's definitely my hero. And we get that I mean, a lot yeah. from a lot of people. So I mean, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um. So some of these questions don't make as much sense. Uh, what is your monthly overhead? Running monthly overhead is about 30K. Okay. Um, and that includes marketing and pulling yeah, lists and all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, what's your are you using? Um, actually, I was using Podio. I was using Podio. And Podio is like his 1989 Ford pickup truck. You know, yeah. it just, it gets you there, man. Like, mm. it's not sexy. My hot, you got to roll the window down, you know? Uh-huh. It's not sexy, but it'll get you there. And actually, I just switching out the last couple of weeks to, uh, uh, you know, or Stephanie. Stephanie, yeah. Yeah, Stephanie Salesforce. with, uh, yeah, with uh, Salesforce, yeah. Yeah. So awesome. I'm going to, we're doing all the transition right now just because I like pretty pictures and like numbers and bars and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm easily amused. I am too. I so. am too. When you, when we go next door, you're going to see our dashboard. We yeah. always have it up and running in, yeah. in the office okay. for all the sales guys to yeah. see. So you'll see that. Yeah. So Salesforce, to answer the question, Salesforce. Yeah. Uh, what is your why? Oh, my why. Oh, this is a great question. It's money, uh, houses. No, it's not money. Oh, let me, let me finish it. It's money, it's houses, women, it's cars. Uh, 
So let me, let me back up. I'm being honest. Am I the only honest one that said that before here? <laughs> All right. So I say money because you, you got to have money to leave a good legacy, leave a, you know, something for your family, right? right. Um, uh, houses, I need a nice place to live, nice place for my family to live, right? Women, well, you know, I got my, 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 my wife and my daughter. I got two women in my life. And cars, I need to have a safe car for them to drive in, right? Yeah. I don't want to get, be broken down, side of the road or have an accident. And I'd have, uh, you know, and have a good yeah. car. So yeah, uh, money, houses, women, and cars. That's yeah. my why. The only reason why I don't say money is because money does not get you out of bed. Oh, right, right? yeah. Right? And money gets you, money is good initially. And obviously you put it in a different context, but for a lot of people, we get yeah. into this business for more money and you get into it. And once you get a certain amount of money, it's like money. Yeah. If that, yeah. Was, if that was your motivation, you would stop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and uh, so my wife asked me all the time, she, she knows that she's like, you're probably a little bit selfish. I go, yeah, I'm a little bit selfish. Like, yeah, making money, buying an apartment building. It's, so, it's amazing. But for me, my biggest, like what I, I like to challenge, like, I'm like, I see this and like, oh, I bought this apartment building. Oh, that's great. And then I forget about it. And now I'm off to work the next day. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just, it's just another day at work. Right. You know, it's You're, just, it's just a challenge, right? It's the adventure. It's yeah, the, the journey. adventure for it's sure. It's not about collecting. And if you happen to make money and all this stuff in the back end, that's even better. Right. right. It's just a bonus. Exactly. Yeah. So then what is your biggest struggle right now? Um, my biggest struggle is uh, getting myself out of the business. Um, my COO is doing asset management, so he's not really doing COO mm-hmm. work. So I'm the COO, so that's dangerous. Like I was asking, telling my marketing team, this is all jacked up. What's going on? And my assistant texts me privately. It's all messed up because you're in charge. I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm like, <laughs> dang, that hurt, that hit me. Like, it hit me. Like, you know, I was like, yeah, she was right. It's, in, it's all jacked up because I was in charge. I didn't give clear instructions. I just, just spill it out right hey get this done and nobody really knew what to do anyway yeah. so yeah my greatest challenge right now is finding somebody to replace my coo as the asset manager you gotta you gotta have like a a a plus person there mm-hmm. and then he'll move over and and manage pretty much my whole company that's my biggest struggle right now yeah um and that thing about screwing it up i mean definitely i'm in that boat too awesome. Uh, how many hours are you working in your business on average um she put asked my wife that yeah, if I ask my wife, she'd be more honest. She'd probably be more often. She'd probably say sixty. I would say, I would say fifty, forty to fifty hours. Yeah, I, 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 I enjoy it. So, and I'm still in building mode, and we, I build one, one side of you know one arm of the business, right? And everybody, and I put somebody who runs it perfect, and then I'm out there building another side, right? Mm-hmm. Like I first build my 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 assets, right? I went to buy a whole bunch of stuff, and now I'm really working on my marketing side, right? Like I know I got my marketing team, I'm doing all that, so now I'm. I'm in charge of that until that rolls on its own. And then we see what else I do after that, yeah. you know? So well, I'm only smiling yeah. right now. Cause you're, uh, when I walked in, you were staring at our accountability yes, chart yes. and you're looking, it's like, okay, like these are all the different businesses this team yeah. has. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, mutual struggles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then how do you stay motivated, uh, when Motiva- you face adversity? Yeah. You know, so I have a weird thing about motivation. Like, uh, I think motivation is overrated. Um, I think you should be, uh, have a purpose. Right. Because sometimes I don't feel motivated to go to work like, oh, I'm just tired, but I have a purpose. I, I, have, I want to accomplish something. So for me, purpose will trump motivation all the mm-hmm. time. So just make sure that purpose is still, you know, it's still meaningful for you. Right. Like, okay, what, you know, everything that I'm sacrificing to get there. Right. Is that worth it? Mm-hmm. Right. So then that's kind of my motivation. Right. It's my Crystal purpose. Clear. Yep. And then what is your superpower? My superpower, I would say, is uh, finding off market properties. I would say that's my superpower. And I like connecting. I like networking. So I can totally see the networking. I, I love networking too. Yeah. My, my, my staff would say networking. 
and then I would go to uh, finding off market property. Well, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. Oh, no, no, but just thinking about it. It's really easy to picture you working in a room. I like, I like finding a good deal. I love it. Like, I love it. I just don't want to do anything. I want to find it. You negotiate it. You close it. You stabilize it. You know, like you do everything. I just want to find a deal. This is kind of, I remember a while ago, right? Like, uh, when I was smaller, it was just me and my wife, we were doing the flips and she would talk about what's going on with this, how much are we making? And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, how can you not care? It's like the poker example is getting the seller to sign the contract. That's like me shoving the chips in the middle. Yeah. Right, like that's the exciting part. After that, like everything else is whatever happens happens. Yeah, yeah. And then I see the money in the bank; it's in the bank, right? Yeah. So, but I definitely like networking. I like this. Like I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. Coming out here to Phoenix and meeting with you, it's awesome. Awesome. Uh, what is the greatest lesson you have learned? Uh, the greatest lesson I've learned is uh, just don't quit. Right. The harder you work, the luckier you get. So, um, you know, just don't quit. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the biggest thing. Just it, it, the price is too high to quit. I always think about that. If quitting ever crosses my mind, I always say the price is too high to quit. Can you elaborate on what that means? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the price that you'll pay for quitting, right? Like what you can accomplish, right? You can change not even your family's life, but gener- other people's lives, mm-hmm. right? Like my staff, right? My staff is going to be changed like forever, right? right. Um, and the people that your partners you bring on, you're going to change their lives forever, right? Maybe if you coach, right? Uh, people in the mastermind, their lives are going to be changed forever because you decided not to quit and you decided to keep going forward and you, end, you ended up getting to a spot where you're just part of an authority, mm-hmm. right? Like you've, you've touched a lot of people. You've, come, you, you've changed a lot of people's lives, right? So if, say, you would have quit at some point and you never had this, I would never be here, Yeah. right? So the price is too great to quit. Yeah, because everyone's paying the price. Everybody's paying the price, person. right? And, and, and everybody has somewhere to get to. And once you get there, I mean, you can just change so many people's lives, yeah. right? So... That's awesome. Uh, what is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Oh, most interesting failure? Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Man, I got a whole bunch of those. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's, I don't know. I would probably say, man, it's a uh, uh, failure. It's probably partnering on with the wrong people, partnering up with the wrong people, right? Okay. Not, not bad people. Mm-hmm. or well, Actually, I shouldn't say wrong. I, I should, let me not do that because everybody I've ever partnered with is not a bad person who's mm-hmm. been wrong. Um, just setting the, yes, setting the expectations, right? Like setting the expectations. Um, like if you have a partner with somebody, you don't know what to expect, right? Cause it's a brand new venture. So be like, Hey, Hey Steve, we're partnering on making water bottles. Okay. Hey, look in 90 days, let's sit down again and let's talk about this, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. So in 90 days we sit down again and be like, okay, I, I, let's see what we're in charge of here mm-hmm. and how we're doing everything. Cause at that point we'll know like, man, you're doing a lot of work. I ain't doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's probably my biggest mistake is not setting the expectations and kind of like a follow-up meeting like every 30 days 90 days to revisit those expectations and to ask you steve what do you what do you see me as a partner mm-hmm. doing and then you tell me and then i tell you what i see myself doing and then i do the opposite let me tell you what i see you doing as a partner and then you tell me what you think you should be doing mm-hmm. and then i say you come into an agreement and maybe you move forward for 90 more days or you call you call it quits right. right it's just good communication that's great i haven't heard yeah. that before but man yeah. i can see how that would be incredibly powerful yeah. Uh, in any kind of partnership. Yep. Uh, Sergio Trujillo wants to know, with the experience you've got right now, if you had to start over and you had $1,000 in your pocket, what would you do? i try to get on Steve Tran's uh, podcast. $1,000 fly. I was just telling him, it cost me $1,000 to fly here. Right? Like, I don't care. I would have paid it. No. <laughs> so anyways, if you can't do that, yeah. um, that'd be ideal. Um, I would actually get my 1000 bucks and um, 
give myself a list, right? Pull myself a list, my local area, and I would just start calling, right? Start calling, you know, for a thousand dollars, you can get a big list. And I would just call with my cell phone and try to get a deal. That's what I would do. Um, and then Senefinist wants to know what car do you drive? What car do I drive? It's not a Ford. Uh, 2009 or was it 1990 what was that truck you said earlier oh the 89 ford pickup truck yeah uh, so two story i'll tell you two story uh I, i'm a member of this car club they have exotic cars and when i went to when i went to um to join like in the interview i was driving a classic which was my 19 year old's like 2006 chevy cobalt yeah just crashed the back of the trunk he turned it to the right and it made a clack 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 sound and my, I forgot where my car was. I think my wife was out of town and one of the cars was in the shop. I don't remember. So I took his car to, for this interview. As I'm pulling in, I make a right to put the parking lot. There's a man in there and, 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 and a phone outside. And you can hear the car just clacking, clack, 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 clack. And I go to the back so nobody sees me, right? I'm getting out for this piece of crap car. And uh, sorry, anybody has a 2006 uh, Chevy Cobalt. Anyways, so I'm walking in and the gentleman opens on the phone, opens the door, lets me in. And I asked the guy in the reception, I said, hey, I'm here to see the owner. Um, I'm here interviewed to be a member of the car club. So, okay, he'll be with you. Sit down. I sit down. Sure enough, the guy comes in and I shake his hand. It was the guy who opened the door for me. He was outside. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, uh, I have a Chevy Cobalt. Well, I had a Chevy Cobalt, yeah. but, uh, we have a nice Mercedes. We have a Aston Martin. We have you know, some nice cars, but yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I, I got a, a friend who has a, who was in a car club. Yeah. So he's asking me to join. So I've been meaning to. Yeah, it's cool to go check out one of those. Car yeah, clubs. the one, the one that I'm a part of, the owner of uh, Ubisoft is a member of mm. Fortnite for you guys out there. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Amazing. So, what do you think about a message you want to leave the listeners with while I make a yeah. couple of quick announcements? Sure, uh, guys. If you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. It helps us because it helps the algorithm get us to more people. Yeah. Um, we have our two day workshop coming up on August 13th and 14th. If your business is not where you want it to be, check it out. Just go to disruptors.com slash workshop. We got Brent Bowers coming out next week. And he's going to talk about how to, I mean, they're just killing it with land. So uh, if you're interested in land, check out next week's episode with Brent Bowers. Um, last thoughts you want to leave the listeners with. Um, wherever you are in your real estate career, if you're starting out, or even if you're already flipping and you want to do something else, like say you want to get into commercial apartments or whatever it is, just got to do three things, like I mentioned earlier, right? Number one, you got to believe, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't see yourself there, you're never gonna be. You're never gonna get there. Number two, go network, right? Go network, right? Three kinds of people out there. The ones you got to get rid of right away is all your loser friends, people who are toxic. Just get rid of them. The second kind is the one you want to spend less time with. They usually have your same last name, okay? And then you have people you want to hang out with more, the most, right? People who are have the same drive as you, same goals and same visions, right? So go network, right? And number three, take some action. Honestly, if whatever you want to do in life, if it's real estate, if it's whatever it is, you can just find those, those, those three things and that'll get you in the right uh, direction. I know everybody has questions like, how do you analyze them? How do you get money? Like all that, you know what? It comes with it. Mm-hmm. But if you, without those three, you're never going to get there. Yeah. So you got to so, fix your belief system. Exactly. Fix your network. Yep. And then go do it. And then go do it. And then everything else. You know, it'll come along as, as, as you get a project and you start learning the process. Yeah, that's, that's those are the details. Great. That's great. Um, yeah. And if someone wanted to get a hold of you, and we're going to post the link here, but yeah. uh, I see here. Yeah, haveitynoho.com. Uh, the website's on there. And uh, I'll say a funny story. So you guys will see my, I don't know what picture I have up there. Maybe they changed it already. When I did my picture, I, I didn't have a shirt. So I was using my pajama shirt. But <laughs> the website's fairly new. 
So be patient with us. It'll be updated soon. But yeah, JavierInojo.com or on uh, Facebook, JavierInojo or Instagram, JavierInojo.junior, because I am a junior. Um, you guys can follow me there. And, you know, I got a whole bunch of content for you guys. It's like Steve says on the YouTube channel, a lot of stuff you can just learn from here. You can do it on your own. So. Cool. Cool. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It was awesome. Fun. So much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for watching.